Let's ask God for his help. Please join me as we pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this vision that we've been looking at for the last few weeks. We pray that you help us to understand this next, next part of it. Pray that you'll fill us with comfort and assurance and strength as we think through what it teaches. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the nicest holiday you've ever had? The nicest holiday you've ever had. I've had a few nice holidays over the years. Uh, long service leave in Florence in 2012 would have to be right up there, living on the Arno River, just up the road from the famous Ponte Vecchio and the Uffizi Museums. Culture with a capital K, that place. It's fantastic. Um, one other time, one other time we, uh, we were due to go on holidays, but before we went on holidays, the day before we went on holidays, we were going to a wedding. Now, the day after the wedding, we were heading off to L'Elegant, a resort in Vanuatu. Now, a couple of days before the wedding, my wife Carmelina was talking to the bride's brother, and we found out where the couple were going for their honeymoon. You guessed it, L'Elegant in Vanuatu. So we attended both their wedding and their honeymoon. <laughs> Hi, welcome to your honeymoon. You want to hang out with us? Lucky they were good sports about it. And my own honeymoon was purest joy. 23 and a half years ago, my, my uncle owned a caravan park up near Wulguga on the north coast of New South Wales, and he let us stay in a display home on the caravan park. The price was exactly right, free of charge. <laughs> Admittedly, the furniture was sparse. There was no TV, no curtains. We had to use sheets on the windows. No air conditioning in the 40-degree heat. But I had a great time. Especially because you may remember this, those of you who are cricket fans, 1993, the cricket test match between the Australia and the West Indies, one of the greatest cliffhangers in history as Australia held on and held on and held on. Last week at stand for hours and hours, I sat in the car, hour after hour after hour, listening to the game on the radio. Happy days. Happy days. Surprisingly, Carmelina didn't seem to enjoy herself quite as much as I did. I think she'd have preferred a holiday with a bit more to do, like shops, for example, or someone to talk to who wasn't sitting in a car listening to the radio. Uh, she ended up asking if we could go home early. I love holidays. Love holidays. Part of why I love Revelation chapter 7, as we picture God's people on holiday, so to speak, in heaven with him as they wait for the new heaven and earth. Uh, do you remember where we're up to? We're in the middle of a vision. Jesus has called John up into heaven. There John has seen God, seated on a throne in all his glory, surrounded by his worshipping creatures. In God's hand, you remember, there's a scroll sealed with seven seals. This is God's plan to save his people and to judge his enemies. It seems that no one is worthy to open the scroll, but then Jesus pictured both as a victorious lion and also as a lamb who was sacrificed and then alive again, come back to life. Jesus comes and he takes the scroll. He approaches God, takes the scroll. He alone is worthy to implement God's plan of salvation. He alone is worthy to save God's people because he was sacrificed, slain in their place. He purchased them for God. As we saw, this is a vision of what theologians call the ascension of Jesus. Jesus, crucified and risen again, ascends to the right hand of the Father and he is able to put into place God's plan of salvation and of judgment. God's plan for history from the ascension of Jesus until the return of Jesus. Then last week in chapter 6, 
Chapter 6, Jesus begins to open the seals on the scroll. God's plan of salvation, his plan for history from the ascension to the return of Jesus, it begins. And we saw that it was bad news. Bad news for the world, including, surprisingly, for the Christians. As the seals are opened, do you remember the so-called four horses of the apocalypse are let loose? God's plan, it involves a world of conquest and violence and and famine and injustice and, and disease and death. A world where, as we saw in the fifth seal, Christians are murdered for their faith. But it's a world, as we saw in the sixth seal, with a use-by date. Because when that sixth seal is opened, we come to judgment day and the world ends and no one can hide from God and none of his enemies can stand. As we saw last week, God's plan to save his people is a surprising one. It's a plan to save us through tribulation, through suffering, through a world of hardship and pain. So the question you might ask yourself is, how can we make it? How can I make it? I'm weak and this world is tough. How can I make it? Well, that's the question that's answered now in chapter 7. And now in this next part of his vision, John goes back in time, back before the release of the four horses of the apocalypse, back to the time of the ascension of Jesus, before the six seals are opened. Now, to prove this to you, I need to show you a bit of background so you get what's happening here. Those four horses in Revelation chapter 6 four horses of the apocalypse, they're actually modelled on some horses in the Old Testament. Now, four horses in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. And in Zechariah, the four horses are also called four winds or four spirits. The horses in Zechariah are described as being like four winds that blow out into the four corners of the world to do the bidding of God, to do God's bidding. Well, now in Revelation 7, we see four angels holding back four winds, to stop them from blowing out on the land and sea and trees. With Zechariah in mind, you can see what's going on. This is those four horses, the four horses of the apocalypse. They're being held back from heading out into the world to bring conquest, war, famine, death. So we've gone back to the time of Jesus' ascension. He hasn't yet opened the seals. The four horsemen are being held back. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. That's the four horses. To prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree, to stop them bringing conquest, war, famine and death. John then sees another angel. This angel has another seal. Uh, And he says that the horses, now they're identified as four harmful angels, the horses are not allowed to harm the earth until God's servants are sealed with this seal, until they get a mark on their foreheads. The horses can't go out until God's servants are sealed. Verse 2. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who'd been given power to harm the land and the sea. Again, that's the four horses. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Now, again, I think a bit of background will help us here. 
This idea of a sealing on the forehead, it also comes from the Old Testament. Now, this time from the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 9, Ezekiel chapter 9, the Jewish people have been committing terrible, terrible idolatry. They've made God really angry. He's had enough. He's decided to destroy them all. But before he does, he asks one of his servants to, to mark, to put a seal on the foreheads of the people who haven't been joining in the idolatry. And then when God's judgment comes, they are spared. The sealed ones are spared from the judgment of God. The sealed ones are spared from the judgment of God. On your outline there, I've put uh, the, the relevant section from Ezekiel. Have a look with me. You can see it on your outline there, left-hand side. About halfway down. Chapter 9, verse 3. Then the Lord called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing kit at his side and said to him, Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. As I listened, he said to the others, Follow him through the city and kill, without showing pity or compassion. Slaughter old men, young men and maidens, women and children, but do not touch anyone who has the mark. Begin at my sanctuary. Like in Ezekiel, God's servants here in Revelation are sealed. Doesn't mean they won't suffer and die. Doesn't mean they won't suffer in the tribulation with the four horses. We saw last week the fifth seal, that God's people will suffer, will die in this world. But like in Ezekiel, the seal means that God's servants will be spared from his judgment. Next in the vision, John hears who these sealed servants of God are. There are 144,000 of them. Symbolic number, of course, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. I take it as symbolic of the full number of God's people. Verse 4. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. So John hears, hears that there will be 144,000 Israelites sealed. But when he looks, what he sees is even bigger and better. And it's a bit like back in chapter 5. He hears that there's going to be a lion coming. When he looks, he sees a lamb. Well, he hears there are going to be 144,000 Israelites, but what he sees is an uncountable crowd of people. Not just from Israel, from every place in the world. And they are there in heaven with God and the lamb. The fact that they were sealed has meant that they were spared from the judgment of God. And now they are with him in heaven. Verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Uh, these people, just like the martyrs in the fifth seal last week, they're clothed in white robes, symbolising their, their, their victory, their, their justification before God. They're holding palm branches. You know where they come from? 
Feast of Tabernacles in the Old Testament. What's the Feast of Tabernacles for? You say, thank you, God, for bringing us through the wilderness into the promised land. Here are these guys waving the palm branches. Thank you, God, for bringing us through the wilderness of, of life and into heaven, into the promised land. And there in heaven they cry out praise to God and to Jesus for rescuing them, for giving them salvation. Near the end of verse 9. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The heavenly angels, the elders, they they join in the chorus of praise to God. Verse 11. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down in their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen! Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen! Next in the vision, God finds out who these people are. They're the people who made it through the Great Tribulation. They lived in the terrible time between the ascension of Jesus and the return of Jesus. They they suffered with the rest of the world as those four horses did their damage of conquest and war and famine and inequity and death. But these people, they kept trusting Jesus until they died. They, to use the image, they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They relied on the death of Jesus and now they've been given victory through the death of Jesus and they stand right with God in heaven. Verse 13. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Here are God's saved people with him in heaven. And we see it's like like the greatest holiday you can think of. They're protected, they're loved, they're cared for, and they look forward to not just being in heaven, but being in a new heaven and earth. Verse 15. Therefore... Because their robes are washed white in the blood of the Lamb, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent, his tabernacle, over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, you know what? This is where Christians who have died are right now. This is where they are. In heaven. It's not the new heaven and new earth yet. That's still to come after Jesus returns. But the people who died relying on Jesus are there in heaven now. Praising God. Serving him. Enjoying his protection and care and waiting 
for the final resurrection and the new creation. Okay. Well, can you see then what's here in this part of John's vision? We go back in time to before the six seals were opened, before the four horsemen are sent out to bring conquest, war, famine, death, back to the time of the ascension of Jesus. And at that time, we see that God's people are sealed. God marks them out as his own, and he will protect them and bring them through so that they can make it. We then see a picture of these people after they've made it, after they've died. Because they were sealed... They persevered, trusting in Jesus. They made it through the terrible times here on earth. They trusted until death. And now they are safe in the presence of God, enjoying a lovely holiday, so to speak, as they wait for God to create the new heaven and earth. Okay. Let's, uh, let's think about what this means for us. What does this mean for us? Friends, you know what? If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, this chapter is all about you. This, of course, is about God, but, but this is you who's, who's being spoken about here. This chapter tells you your present, and this chapter tells you your future. Your present and your future here in this vision. First, your present. What should we expect here on earth? What should, what should we expect life to be like here in the present? Answer. This earth is the place of the four horsemen. The four winds, the four harmful angels. This time in history is, as it says in verse 14, the great tribulation. And we should expect that things will be tough. We should not be surprised when we suffer. We should not be surprised when things break. We should not be surprised when things are messed up. We should not be surprised when we have to suffer with the rest of the world in conquest or injustice or poverty or sickness or war or death. We shouldn't be surprised if people hate us or even hurt us for being Christian. We shouldn't feel like that's out of God's control. It's exactly what he tells us to expect here and now. Things will be tough in this world But we don't need to despair. We don't need to despair. It is possible for you and me to make it to the end. How can we do it? How can we persevere? Well, if you look at it from God's side, we can and we will persevere because God has sealed us. God has marked us as his own and he will protect us and he will sustain us and he will bring us through. I love this, uh, this little section in Ephesians chapter 1. I've put it on your outline there because God tells us more about what it means for us to be sealed. Uh, put it there on your outline. Have a look with me. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. He's uh, writing to the, 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 the Gentile Christians in Ephesus and he says, You also were included in Christ... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
know, in Bible study this week, um, those of you who have done Bible study will, will remember that the first question was, um, have you ever con- seriously considered giving up your faith and what was it that stopped you? It was interesting to hear our group this week as we, as we thought about the answer to the questions. There are all kinds of different answers to the questions. Some people said, I don't want to go to hell. Some people said, just be no purpose to living without Jesus. Other people said, look, I just, I just know in myself that it's real. Lots of different answers, but at the heart of each of the answers was this kind of just bedrock knowledge in people's hearts that it's true. Friends, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of God's Holy Spirit in their lives, giving them just a, a taste of heaven, which is God's guarantee. By his grace, in his strength, sealed by his spirit, we can and we will make it to our inheritance. Praise God. And then from our side, from the human side, what do we need to do? How can we get to heaven when we die? Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14. We need to wash our robes white in the blood of the Lamb. We need to wash our robes white in the blood of the Lamb. It's a vivid image, isn't it? I think it's probably bad advice if you're thinking about washing clothes, but spiritually this is the best advice you can possibly have. It's a vivid image for relying on Jesus, relying on his death and resurrection so our sins can be forgiven, so we can be washed clean, so we can have victory, be justified before God. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you washed your robes in the blood of the Lamb? I hope you have. Are you relying on the death and resurrection of Jesus to wash you clean from sin before God? I hope you are. Because, friend, there is no other way that we can make it through this tribulation. There is no other way that we can be rescued from the judgment of God. Chapter 7, verse 10, salvation belongs only to our God and to the Lamb. Jesus is the only way that you or I can be saved from God's judgment and make it to heaven. The only way. Things are going to be tough in this world. That's our present experience. But we can And we will make it to heaven, sealed by God. We need to hold fast to Jesus. Yeah? That's our present. And then, friends, what's our future? What's our future? In Christ, our future is to be in the presence of God. When we die, we will go straight to heaven. Absent from the body, but present with the Lord. And isn't this just a beautiful picture? It's not the full picture of our future. To see that, we're going to need to wait till chapters 21 and 22 when, when, when heaven will come to earth and there'll be a new heaven and earth. But here we see what is before us when we die as we wait for that final day. And it is magnificent, isn't it? Just, just, just notice a few things here with me. Verse 15. Verse 15. Where are we going to be? with God before his throne no more wondering whether or not God exists 
No more wondering if your prayers get past the ceiling. No more doubts, no more fears. We will be right there with him, seeing him face to face in all his glory. Notice also verse 15. What are we going to be doing? Verse 15. We're not going to be bored. We're not going to be just you know, sitting on clouds strumming harps or something like that. This holiday is not going to be like being permanently unemployed because that would drive you crazy. No, no, no. God has useful stuff for us to do. We will be serving him. He doesn't need our service. But he blesses us with good stuff to do. What a privilege that will be to be there with God serving him. Notice also verse 15. That God spreads his tent over us. Now, I know many Asians don't like the idea of camping. You think dirt and so on. But but don't stress. Don't stress. Uh, This tent is God's tabernacle, his temple. Uh, The symbol symbol is that we'll be under his roof, so to speak, in his home, under his care and protection. Do you notice also who's going to be there? Who's going to be there? We'll be there together. All your friends who died trusting in Jesus. All your family who died trusting Jesus. They will be there with you. This week I got an email from Morio Oshima from our 9 o'clock service. He's had to go back to Japan to visit his dying sister. Uh, Let me quote from an email he sent me during the week. My sister, Fujiko, has passed away yesterday. Thank you for your prayers. She promised, she promised me to meet again in heaven. I must come to heaven to keep this promise. Your Christian friends, your Christian family, they'll be there. Don't you miss out, will you? Notice there verse 16. All our needs are satisfied. Plenty to eat. Plenty to drink. Air conditioning at just the right temperature. Notice also verse 17. Who's going to be there? Jesus is going to be there. Did did you get that? Just, Just stop and let that sink in for a second. Jesus will be there. Won't it be brilliant to finally meet him? Friends, if you are relying on Jesus, if you are sealed with God's seal, this is your future. When you die, you will go to heaven and be with God and Jesus and their people. It will be a wonderful holiday, better than the best holiday that you can imagine. And and you know what? I reckon one of the best things of all, we won't have to worry about going back to work. That's what ruins holidays for me, the thought of having to head back to work again. But, but not on this holiday in heaven. No, no, in heaven, we'll be looking forward to an even greater eternity when God will give us new resurrected bodies and we'll be in a new heaven, a new earth forever. Let's pray. A gracious and holy and loving and wonderful God, we thank and praise you for your mercy and kindness to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for sealing us 
with the seal of your Holy Spirit so that we can persevere through the tribulation of this world and make it at last to the new heaven and earth. Will you please so work in each one of us by your Spirit that we wash our robes white in the blood of the Lamb, persevering, trusting in Jesus until we die. And we pray it in his name. Amen.